Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I am Sabrina Justison, here with... Vicki Tillman. And... Kim Smythe. It's good to all be together again. We are all together again. Sometimes life has this way of interfering with podcast recording dates. (laughs) So unfair. So yes, we are delighted to all be together and talk with you about all things homeschool high school and for today all things holiday as well yay so yeah we're counting down to the holidays and holidays throw all sorts of new varied experiences into our homeschool and family lives indeed Mm -hmm. the good the bad the ugly (laughs) the fabulous a little little bit of everything the fun the crazy the oh let's not do that again Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you remember the year when (laughs) oh yes (laughs) <laughs> should should we sing a little a little something here? No, no we no, decided we're not no, going to do that. No. Okay. <laughs> when you just said the year when, it reminded me of the year that the turkey didn't defrost, <laughs> so we had hot dogs and beans for Christmas dinner. <laughs> well, you know, the converse of that is the year that I put the ham in the crock pot on high instead of on low, and it was on high for like twelve hours. So we oh. had we had bacon for Christmas. <laughs> Dropping the turkey on the floor. Oh, Oh, yeah. There we go. The year that my mom threw her back out, taking the turkey out of the oven. Oh, no. Yeah. The year I went into labor, (gasps) when I bent over to put the turkey in the oven. Okay. Wow. And so this is all off the top of our head, people. There we go. Not even comparing notes on this. That was not the planned fluff (laughs) at all. Well, we're going to start off with a little story time, and we're going to tell you about six people and their expectations for Christmas, because today's episode is all about realistic holiday expectations. And so we're just going to introduce you to Sophie, and Sophie loves Christmas. Sophie's a Christmas person. She will tell you, oh, I'm such a Christmas person. I love Christmas. And what Sophie means when she says that is that she loves buying gifts for people, she loves picking out just the right thing. She is so good at that whole gifts as my love language thing. Giving and receiving. She loves to receive gifts, too. And she gets her hopes up for various things. Oh, she likes the wrapping paper and the bows. And she listens to Christmas music while she wraps. And she, <laughs> it, the whole thing is just oh, seeing those presents under the tree and the stockings stuffed. It just blesses her heart. And she gets so excited to love on her people with with gifts around the holidays. So her Christmas language is gifts. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then let's meet Bertha. Bertha is also in her family and Bertha is also a Christmas person. Oh, she loves Christmas. She cannot wait for Christmas. She always tells people Christmas is my favorite time of the year. And what Bertha means when she says that is that she cannot wait to fill up the calendar squares with all the cool things that you can do around the holidays that you can't do any other time. Something every day. Uh, at least one thing every day, please. <laughs> there are free organ concerts at the mall, and there are um, fashion shows. And, you know, so even while you're doing your Christmas shopping, you, oh, you need to run down to the end because they're going to have the tap dancing elves, you know, at 11.15. And, oh, and the Christmas tea. Don't forget the Christmas yes, tea. Yes, the Christmas tea. And you drive through the big... Christmas lights and you make sure that you go to the botanical garden so that you can see all of the beautiful poinsettia displays there and it's just event after event and 
you cannot have enough family parties scheduled during the month of December because there's so many people that you don't get to see the rest of the year. And they can have different themes and uh, so it's all about the hustle and the bustle and the cool things that you get to do. So her Christmas language is hustle and bustle. Yes. And then there's Matthew. Matthew is their cousin. Matthew loves Christmas. Because there are guys that are totally Christmas people too. Indeed. And Matthew is one of those guys. He's a Christmas guy. And when he says that he cannot wait for Christmas every year, what he's looking for is traditions. He loves mm. spending time, quality time with family. He loves that moment when whoever is the youngest grandchild in the uh. family for this year puts the baby Jesus ornament on the top of the tree. Or he loves that moment when um, everybody takes their first bite of the rice pudding that actually no one in the family likes very much, <laughs> but great-grandmother Mildred always made it, and it was the thing to do. Those have got moments some great that are... names in this family. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. That's that's what it's all about for Matthew, is those precious, memory-filled traditions that make him feel like, yeah, you know what, in this big world, my family is my family, and that's that's special. So his Christmas language is traditions. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now let's meet three more people in the family, and these are people who are self-proclaimed not Christmas people. Are they Scroogey? They're not Scroogey. And you know, that's a really good question. That's kind of what we want to draw some attention to. There are lots of people in the world who are just not Christmas people who don't have a bit of Scrooge in them. They're just not Christmas people. They're just not Christmas people. Is there people. one <laughs> run one right <laughs> way to, to do, do Christmas? Christmas? <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure that there is not one, one right, right way, way to, to do, do Christmas. Christmas. Well, then that begs the question is there one right one right way to do thanksgiving <laughs> i think the question it really begs is why can none of us say one right, right way, way when we say it every single week i'm so pretty sure are, that there is not one right, right way to do thanksgiving too. either so what about these guys who aren't scroogey but aren't into christmas well there's maria she is really not a christmas person and she will say i i don't mean to be a scrooge but i'm just not a christmas person And what she means when she says that is she has a really full plate in life. She's raising kids. She's taking care of aging parents. She's working a job. She's got a lot to juggle. And when all of the extra activities get added to her calendar squares, get the line items get added to her budget and uh, all the extra people come across her path that need tending to and caring for, she feels overwhelmed. Maria's had maybe several rough years in a row where she just feels like she's running faster than she can run. And now Christmas comes and the pace gets accelerated. And she loves seeing the people and she certainly loves Jesus. Let's be clear about this. You know, Jesus and Christmas are not like, you don't have to love Christmas to love Jesus with all your heart the rest of the year. Indeed. Um, but this is about the the tradition part of it in, in our part of the world. So we're talking about like cultural Christmas yes. as opposed to the real spirit of Christmas right. and the exactly. real, yeah, big yeah. difference there, yeah, huh? Big Sometimes. Difference. Big difference there. Mm-hmm. So Maria gets overwhelmed at Christmas, and her Christmas love language is a little bit of peace. Would mean an oh. awful lot of love to her. And then there's Scott, and Scott is really not a Christmas person. And the reason that Scott would say he's not a Christmas person is because Scott is working very hard to get through something that has been financially very taxing. He's completing his higher education degree and trying to do it without a lot of debt, or he's building a business. But basically, Scott is broke. 
Mm-hmm. Let's just call it what it is. The dude is broke, and he's got people in his family like Sophie who love gifts, love and he loves Sophie, and he <laughs> wants to give her a wonderful gift, and he feels financially just depleted. And so the thought of, I'm just going to let everyone down at Christmas makes it very difficult for him to get excited about Christmas. He doesn't even really like to receive gifts because he feels like he's not able to reciprocate at this point in his life, and this makes him sad. So Scott's love language would probably be um, people focusing on just spending time with him and giving him a pass on the presents, and that'd be okay. And finally, there's Dolores. And Dolores says, I am so not a Christmas person. And what she means when she says that is that she feels extra sad around Christmas because Dolores went through something sometime in the past that has affected her emotional stability at the holidays. And whether it's that she lost someone close to the holidays Mm -hmm. or whether it's that she went through some other kind of trauma or tragedy, for her... That section of the calendar, November and December, stirs up a lot of painful feelings. And in most cases, Dolores doesn't feel like she can even share those painful feelings with people because it seems like she's such a downer. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to mess up Christmas for other exactly. people. Exactly. So she's privately carrying grief. And for Dolores, her Christmas love language would be for somebody to sit with her and encourage her to share as much as she wanted to share and not make her pretend to be in a celebratory mood on a day when she's just not. To respect what she has been through and is feeling. That's a good love language. Mm -hmm. Very good. So we've touched on just six types of people. And if y'all were uh, listening to the story with your brains turned on, you were thinking of people in your family that fit these little stereotypes. And you were also thinking of all sorts of other people in your family who are big Christmas people or who are not Christmas people. And what I guess we want to start off talking about today is how empowering it would be for all of us, for our families, for our communities, if we worked to look carefully at what people's expectations are for Christmas, to first look at what our own expectations are. Indeed. Because you may never have thought about it. In fact, we have this insight as we were preparing for the podcast that discovering what your holiday expectation was only after it was not met and you oh, feel yes. disappointed. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a less than ideal situation. Indeed. And yet it happens better. all the time. <laughs> yes, it does. So a whole lot better to think through ahead of time. So what am I really looking for out of this cultural holiday season? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus always satisfies. And seeking to celebrate him and to rejoice in, in him, that's never going to let us down. Our expectations will always be exceeded when we are looking for Jesus. But if we're talking about the cultural, celebratory, uh, traditional pieces of Christmas in the U.S. in particular, we need to look at our expectations. And then we need to find ways to help our immediate family express to us their expectations so that we can uh, be sensitive to one another and make plans accordingly. So we were. I guess finally we want to then train ourselves to look for what might be the motivating expectations of other people who don't behave the way we expect them to. Mm -hmm. We were talking earlier about expectations that we might have had or our kids might have had that we didn't understand Mm -hmm. until we came up against them. And I was remembering when I was a young mom thinking at the end of Christmas Day, oh, something was missing. I I didn't have that Christmas feel. And, you know, when you grow up, there's always this magical Christmas feel. And being a young mom is like, 
I was tired. (laughs) No feel to it. So somehow I must be a failure as a person because that magical Christmas feel wasn't there. I mean, the kids did okay. Mm. They didn't know what they're supposed to feel. And it it hit me after several years of wondering what I was doing wrong with Christmas was I was a grown up now. And (laughs) And it just feels different. It feels different when you're grown up. It's a developmental process. So to have realistic expectations about what feelings are mm. as a grown-up is is something that's important and teenagers have different feels because mm. they they are now able to control some things in life so you were talking about a cookie day where your girls expectations weren't quite the same oh yeah yeah we've just had this tradition and it evolves and grows and changes um and it was kind of after the fact that they realized like wow you know it kind of changed more than i expected and it used to be that there were fewer of us, so it was kind of easier to kind of all be in there at the same time. So what were y'all doing? And so we were making cookies. And so for them, the process of just being in it all together and making things together was way more important than the output. And this this past season, they felt like we got into a situation where we were like, okay, well, I really want to make this kind, and I really want to make this kind, and I really want to make this kind. It became more a a production line and so they felt like the some of the um interpersonal stuff got lost in it for but them they didn't know ahead of time not at all they had, now that they're they're big kids yeah they can concentrate on output they know how to make their own cookies and organize their own cookies oh, yeah. but they didn't realize how important the the tradition of the process together and the the group experience was until they got there and realized it wasn't the same yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah and those are great examples of exactly what we're talking about that it's okay to honor tradition and to do things the same and traditions are a wonderful thing that builds us in in families and communities and at the same time we have to have a balance of honoring tradition and allowing things to change because we change and um that's a that's a new thing for for teens in particular Mm -hmm. they probably spent most of their childhood Christmases with Christmas always feeling pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And by the time they hit about 15, Christmas starts to feel different. They start wanting to be able to buy gifts and give gifts, and they may or may not have much of a budget to do that. Mm. They um, start having gatherings that aren't their family, that, yes. that they're really excited about, that then there may be conflict with, well, but that's the weekend that we go to your grandmother's house and all the cousins are there. And then there's all this this pull and conflict, and they never had to make those kind of decisions before. So it's going to mm-hmm. change as, as your kids are in their teens. And sometimes they think a tradition has now become stupid because they've been doing it their whole lives. Or, or burdensome. Uh-huh. And, and they may have jobs. All of a sudden you have teenagers yes. who may have jobs, which may completely turn your um, calendar planning upside down, particularly with extended family and or when you get the oldest kids are starting to have in-laws in their lives or just you know serious relationships with the it, it gets very complicated yeah it so does. people need to know what their expectations are and then adjust them mm-hmm. as is necessary in the real world so i guess some of the questions that maybe would be smart for we're just going to brainstorm these together and hey maybe we'll try to throw them into some sort of freebie download yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, look for it on the seven school.com <laughs> website and see if 
I don't know if we'll do it or not, and, but we're going to try. <laughs> and toss, toss us some comments. Throw yes. in your suggestions, too. Yeah. yeah. What are some questions that we could ask ourselves? So, like, I know for me, a big thing was facing, you're talking about calendar issues. Mm-hmm. I, I have a blended family. So when Fred and I married uh, a whole bunch of years ago, he had three kids. I had four kids. Um, my ex-husband, my children's father, was remarried, so they had his wife's family as well. Um, it's a whole lot of scheduling issues. And in addition to all of that, Fred is a shift worker mm-hmm. and his plant is open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. That's mm-hmm. a complicated situation. It's a little messy. I have a really big like blotter calendar on my refrigerator and every bit of it is filled in with information. So if you were a Bertha whose language was... Lots of events. Yeah, together. Yes. That would oh, be I would be sunk. Yeah. I would be sunk. And the truth is that most Christmases, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Fred is either on night work or day work, and he works 12-hour shifts. Mm -hmm. So there is almost never a year when the Christmas holidays fall in the middle of his break between. Mm. Um, So I don't even get to count on time with my husband, much less than now that my kids were older and everybody teens and above. Um, And so one of the things that, that I realized several years back, probably 10 years ago, I said, okay, my expectation is no longer going to include dates on the calendar. There is nothing actually high and holy about gathering with my family on December 24th or December 25th, rather than gathering on some other day to honor those same traditions. And um, so we started celebrating what we often call Merry New Year's Miss sometime (laughs) in January, once the hustle and the bustle and everybody else's family travel and all that is over with. And we've all settled back into semi-normal, whatever normal is, uh, semi-normal life sometime in January on a Saturday or a Sunday that works for everybody. Mm. Then I just say, come to our house. I will make lots of food and we will just love on each other because for me, my need is my people. I, I need my people. And I don't really actually need it to have anything to do with December 24th or December 25th. So, so that was like time. incredibly freeing for me. I need time with people with us in the but same not that, space. Not that date. It does doesn't, not need to be that date. Because if your expectation was the time and the people on that date, you would just spend every Christmas miserable. I would, no mm. matter how carefully we plan it. There would be somebody who was important to me who could not be there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if I was someone for whom decorating my house and that kind of stuff is very important, I would I would care about those dates because you don't just leave everything up decorated, you know. But that's not me. So I realized it really wasn't a problem, you know. Um, I didn't need to do pictures in front of the tree. That's just mm-hmm. not an important thing for me. So letting go of the dates was one way to help my situation actually meet my expectations. Um, for some people, the whole the whole thing of how things look and making those literal pictures, I know is super, super important. Yes. And so if that's you, um, that's something to really consider. If you need all your people in one place with the backdrop in place so that you can do those portraits and all plan for that. Plan ahead, baby. Way ahead. Yeah, way ahead. And but remembering the serenity prayer to mm-hmm. control the things you can, but let go of what you can't, right. because it's it's just like a wedding, and we've been through several weddings oh, with yeah. our mm-hmm. kids. That there are things out of control. You know, something happens, Absolutely. and the dog's going to knock over the Christmas tree, or the baby's going to have a poopy diaper. You know, something's going to happen. happen. And we have to be able to let go. Absolutely. And you have to laugh at it. And the cool thing is, 
if you can't laugh right then, usually a year later, two oh, years later, word. five years later, those become some of the most precious memories do. Yep. of the whole thing. Yep. yep. That's so true. Well, so let's yep. actually use that because we're talking about looking at our own expectations mm-hmm. and then having conversations with our closest people, spouse mm-hmm. and kids about what their expectations are and kind of, kind of almost create a, t- a top three list. You know, if you could only mm-hmm. have three things this Christmas, what would, what would be What's on important. your top three? Yeah. And we may not be able to always make all of those things happen, but it's at least it helps us a lot to, um, to show real respect for each other's feelings mm. coming into this. Yeah. And to know that everybody has different expectations and to be able to respect that. And to try to honor that. Yeah. 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 So then once you sort of have gotten a little bit of a feel for that, then let's move on to this idea of memories, because mm. a lot of what happens around the cultural celebration of Christmas is creating memories and mm. remembering earlier years. Mm. And um, there can be a lot of expectations associated with that. Um, sometimes the older folks in our families very much want to reminisce at holiday gatherings. Oh, yeah. And sometimes teenagers are not really into that. And not because they're bad, but because for them that that is just has not become important yet yeah. or they heard that story a lot yeah that. and they weren't a part of that story so it it, it applies differently to them yeah. or it's embarrassing because the grandparents are telling a story they don't want to hear again oh you know, yeah yeah. Uh-huh. yeah maybe one that involved them in a yeah. way that they're not ready to laugh at yeah yeah so there could be lots of things that that go into the creation of memories and the remembering of mm-hmm. memories mm-hmm. And uh, I think, Kim, you hit on something really good that try to have a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. And try to help your kids have a sense of humor. And even if it's not funny right now, recognize that it's probably going to be in just a little while if you could just sit with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We. This is not exactly a funny story, but we had, you know, a precious, precious dog. You know, if you're, if you're a dog person... You probably know that your family has this one pet, or not even a dog, maybe, that's just kind of like the family pet of your lifetime. Um, And Sabrina and Vicky know we had Bernie for like 14 years. He was like the dog that we practiced on before we had kids, you know. (laughs) My husband took him to to ride on the little thing that you put a quarter in outside of the grocery store. was the oh, day our Bernie. friend announced, man, you guys really need to have the kids, don't you? <laughs> so, I, can, I can just picture that. It was going a, round and it around. It was a helicopter. A yeah, if you really want the visual. Yeah, it was a little helicopter that went up and down. And um, yeah, so poor Bernie. I mean, we were so blessed. We had him for 14 and a half years and God just said it was time for him to go just before Christmas um, a number of years ago. And so obviously that was a really hard, tearful time. And we were going to take this family Christmas picture because it was important to some of us because we wanted to do Christmas cards. And so we, but it was really important to have Bernie in it. So, the you know, we love Bernie. That, that part was sad. But so here are six people with very red eyes, half of us still crying, holding on to Bernie. And the vet is taking this picture oh, so that we could have a Christmas man. picture oh, with Bernie. Bernie in it, right? Oh. Um, and you know, and that was just really, really sad. And so at the time it was really, really hard and, and all that sort of thing. And, and, uh, I can remember, I think some of my kids, I think Sabrina came and picked up somebody, um, you know, who was having a rough day and all that. And, but the, the cool thing that, that happened through all that 
is that now the memory that we have, aside from remembering Bernie and all the cool stuff with him, was that we were all sad. We all had different kind of expectations of how to manage this emotion. And some of us kind of wanted to get out of the house. And some of us really didn't have any energy to get out of the house. And some very wise person, I wish I knew who it was so we could thank them, said, you know, why don't you just pick a movie? And I highly recommend the movie Elf. And we are not affiliates for the movie Elf or anything <laughs> else like that. But we watched the movie Elf. And that movie has become such a special part of our family's Christmas tradition because it was just the medicine that we needed at that point. It was the right thing. The Mary Hart does good like a medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that just that, that, um, you know, yucky thing, but, but found some sweet memories in it. And now it's become such a precious thing that we all laugh together at. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a good perspective. And I mean, that's the, the cookie day that Kim referred to earlier oh, yeah. came out of a really, when I was a newly single mom, my yeah, first Christmas right. after, after I was divorced and the kids and I were struggling, um, emotionally, there was just an awful lot of now what, I don't know how to do this. And, um, Kim said, what can I do to help? And I said, I'm, see, I'm one of those people. I'm just really not a Christmas person. Never have been. It's not my thing for a number of reasons. And, and I said, um, what? There are not Christmas people? <laughs> <laughs> and so Kim just said, can I ask your kids if there's one fun thing that they would like to do? And then if you don't feel up to it, I'll just do it with them and my kids. She's an awesome friend and sister, and you should have people in your life. And that wherever there Kim is, there's a party going to yes. happen. Yeah. Yes. And so the one thing that my kids could come up with that they really wanted to do was bake Christmas cookies. And I said I would rather have my teeth drilled this week. I just <laughs> don't want to do it. And Kim said, fine. And But out of that, because it created such a cool memory... We started doing it every year. And yep. then I, it became like one of my favorite things about the whole Christmas season is that day that we're going to get together and do that. And, and so things even that are awkward and hard and mm. not funny at the time can become really precious and really beautiful. And I think that we need to talk to our teens about that and help mm. them get that perspective. Encourage them to keep their eyes open to if there's some gathering coming up um, that they're uncomfortable about or if there's some situation that they're saying, I just don't know how this is going to work. Um, to talk to them about, well, okay, let's look at this and let's try to imagine, let's play forward. What's it going to feel like five years from now if we think back? Mm. What might we end up finding in this? And, and get them to start looking for those opportunities to make memories, mm. regardless of exactly what those memories might be. And to create something good, which is a healthy thing to do. Yeah. And then we've actually used that to move forward and actually have used that to minister to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, By bringing... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, we've looked at our own expectations. We've talked to our immediate family about some of their expectations and what things need to be met. We've talked about creating memories and remembering memories, the good, the bad, <laughs> and the otherwise. Um, one of the things that I guess we all felt has been really helpful in keeping it real coming into the holidays is remembering to look at the culture of the group for various mm -hmm. celebrations and activities and to respect the diversity of the different people in our lives and the different ways that people celebrate Christmas. And, um, for example, there, there may be one chunk of your family 
that tends to be very celebratory, very rejoicing, very making merry. And there may be another chunk of your family that tends to be very quiet and sort of reverent and not as um, party-ish. Exuberant. But yeah. in their way, that's that's their honoring of Christmas. Things are a bit more formal. And um, that can be a tough thing for teens, that having to having to figure out how am I supposed to behave at this? What am I supposed to, what am I expected to do? What can I expect? Um, and then when they start having significant others in their lives and those significant others become fiancés and spouses, we need to be getting them ready to step into other families' celebrations of the holidays and to do that with confidence and with respect and um, observing carefully. What are the expectations? Because every group's got a culture. Absolutely. So we're going to talk in a couple of episodes from now on etiquette to help teens with. But the at the base of that is what are their expectations? Like, so you know if you're going to the in-laws and the in-laws love to talk politics, doesn't matter when they get together, that you just expect there's going to be a lot of things that they irritate the tar out of the kids and probably you. And then, then how do you, you know, deal with that expectation in a Christ-like way? Mm-hmm. Very good. And even simply starting that conversation by acknowledging to your teens in a way that you wouldn't for younger children probably, this is really awkward every time Uncle So-and-So starts saying this, right? Mm-hmm. Indeed. You've observed it. You're 14 now. You've seen this enough times. Let's just talk about it like grown-ups. And that, that can be very validating um, because it lets a teen know that, okay, I'm not just being seen as childish because I don't like it when Uncle So-and-So starts saying these things. Um, it, it actually is an adult observation that this, this makes a number of people in the room lose their temper, and that's an uncomfortable thing. And so it's also a way to help them get their grown-up legs under them and um, to realize that even as grown-ups who maybe have practiced a lot at being polite and gracious and smoothing things over, we may still be feeling that, oh boy, I hope there's not a big incident this year because last year it got a little ugly right around the time the jello salad hit the table, you know? <laughs> So when when the kids have expectations and can acknowledge those honestly, so mm-hmm. we, we know the political talk's going to start or whatever it is that old Uncle Frank goes on about, then what are my goals for that time? So is my goal to correct Uncle Frank? Mm-hmm. Is it my goal to, you know, stare off into the distance? You know, so to, to have a, a teen be able to set some goals based on a realistic expectation of what's going to happen at these lovely family events. And one of my favorite things that Vicki often says is, you know, like, look at the eternal value. Is, uh, is it wait, in, say that again. Look at the eternal value. Oh, that's such a good phrase. There you go. So is it really important? Is Are you going to have a major impact on Uncle Frank if you start sharing your views which oppose his? And is it important to change Uncle Frank's mind? Or is it okay to kind of pat Uncle Frank on the head verbally and just kind of walk away? You know, yeah. when, when is it important? When yeah. Pick your battles. And is Christmas dinner the time to mm-hmm. correct Uncle Frank? Mm-hmm. And so the, the, it really is like, like teens and grownups need to have realistic expectations, but also to have the ability to control what goals they're going to have about that. 
All right, and in line with that, very much an extension of that is to then equip ourselves and our teens to be slow to take offense. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And that, we, we talk a lot about not wanting our teens to offend, mm. but sometimes perhaps it is at least as important to oh model and teach and equip our teens to not take offense. I mean, let's face it, sometimes an event is being run by an older family member who is not doing things in the most, what do I want to say here? Inclusive way. That's a good word. So that this is the way they've always done it. You know, we, I, I can remember, oh my goodness, I can remember there being an aunt, an elderly aunt in my family when I was young. And there were these, just a couple of very rigid things that had to be done exactly this way. And um, it felt I, I wanted to take offense at it. As I was about 12 years old, I can remember thinking like, this is so stupid. I'm being treated <laughs> like I'm four years old. And, you know, mm-hmm. I have to, one parent has to hold each of my hands so that I don't accidentally <laughs> knock something out. Like it just felt, it wasn't, but it, it, yeah, it felt, felt insulting. And I kind of got a little, I just don't even want to see her. I don't even want to do, you know, and I was taking offense and not realizing that this, this was a woman way up in years, who had never even had children, who honestly didn't really have a clue how to have a relationship with children. In her mind, children are children. And the fact that I was 12, not four, wasn't really even blipping on her radar. You know, And I was taking offense at something that really wasn't worth it. Mm. So those kind of things can happen. And, and we, we give our teens a real gift when we say, this is uncomfortable, isn't it? I can see that it would be uncomfortable. And I've, I validation for that feeling. Okay, mm-hmm. At the same time, does this have eternal value? Are you mm. actually being sinned against? Or is it just uncomfortable? Yeah. Is this something where you even can change the situation? Or could you probably just suck it up for an hour? You, you know, it's an yeah. hour out of your life, which right. is not the same thing as teaching them to be a doormat if they're actually being abused. But Indeed. to not take yes. offense easily is, is an important skill. Great yeah. point. I like, I like to encourage the kids, learn how to be a duck, but not a doormat. You know, so... You a, do it again, Kim. Really yeah. <laughs> it's a my day. Not a yeah, That's it awesome. alliterates. <laughs> you know, none of us should just like always lay down everything that's of value or importance to us in and in a way that is harmful to us or anything like that. But sometimes it's just not worth it to, you know, you know that she has good intentions or that the way she's treating you doesn't come out of any maliciousness mm-hmm. or whatever. And so if you can just be like a duck, you know how ducks have that gorgeous stuff on their feathers and when the rain comes down or when they dive down to get food or whatever and they come back up and the off. water just rolls right off their back, it does not affect them. They don't let it get inside them and mess with them. And uh, yeah, so I keep telling some of my students, I'm like, I'm trying more and more to be more like a duck. Excellent. Excellent. We encourage duckiness there you go. in all of you, quack, dear quack. sisters. Oh, right. <laughs> so as long as we're going with little memorable phrases, we, we adopt not a doormat. Um, let's follow that up with watch out for halt. Indeed. Oh. What does halt mean? Halt? The holidays are all about halt. Like you don't eat at the right times, oh. you stay up too late, you you run too long. So halt is hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Wow! And it's just okay. going to happen. And when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, your ability to be a duck is diminished. 
You are so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. true. So true. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the very things that we that we hopefully will expect of ourselves in being ducks and in not taking offense easily and in deciding what has eternal value, we're not going to be able to do if all you had for lunch was two fingerfuls of cookie dough. You know, oh, it's, it's yeah. yeah. You got to so have a fluffernutter sandwich with it <laughs> to fortify yourself. <laughs> Because that's tradition. That's tradition. <laughs> Either it's, a, not, it's not nutrition, but it's tradition. tradition. Either a fluffernutter or mac and cheese and a hot dog. That go, That's what you eat on cookie day. And then you wonder why you're halting. Why you're halting. Yeah, by the end of the day. Evening. Yes, There indeed. you go. There We're going to do another episode on stable blood sugar, but that will not be today. <laughs> All right, so let's wind this down then with one last thing. The fluffernutter tradition. Not specifically that one, okay. but tradition in general. Tradition <laughs> is wonderful mm. when we honor it. Mm. And it's just the kiss of death when we worship it. Ooh, tell us more about that. Well, you know, uh, families can have uh, a tradition of gathering for Christmas brunch, let's say. Mm. And it's great and it's fabulous until you reach the point that you've got four generations trying to gather for this with all of the other families that have been brought in by marriage wow. over the years. And you have someone who spends the whole brunch that has maybe 70 people at it Whoa. crying and moaning and grumping and grousing because there are five people who didn't make it because Aww. they had other commitments. And they say, but we've always done Christmas brunch and it doesn't have to conflict with anybody. We do it late enough in the morning that you can have your time at home with your family first. You should be able to come by 1030 or 11. You should be able to come. And that's kind of worshiping the tradition. If, if the point of the tradition is to gather people mm. together that don't usually get to be together, you should celebrate the 70 who are there and Amen. not be angry at the five who couldn't join you. It goes back to, are you having a grateful heart? Yes. And does that particular thing have any eternal value and what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And are you going to want, are those 70 going to want to come next year? If you're grumping and grousing about the five. And the five might even say, wow, I'm really sorry I missed it. But if they hear from the 70, oh my gosh, Boy, it was were you bad. getting slammed. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. They may not want to come yeah. either. Yeah. Or here's another one. Decorating at Christmas. I wish I was a great decorator. I love <laughs> being in homes that are beautifully decorated. Mm. I really do. I so appreciate it. And I'm just not very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, either. you got to own Nothing it sometimes, fancy. people. So, yeah, I'm not good at it. And um, the years that I have, and there were many of these in the past, where I felt like this is this is important. I need to get out the, the such and such table linens that, you know, came from here and that, that there's these certain traditional things and I need to do them because I only get to do them the once a year. I mean, you know, mm. Christmas comes for once a year. It only lasts for a day. Sorry. All right. I was just going to go. That one too. <laughs> Seth is going to so, totally edit I all know, that out. <laughs> I know. We're in nothing but trouble today. So if I felt like I had to get all this stuff out and do all of this, then what would end up happening is I was so stressed that I couldn't focus on preparing food, which preparing food for my people, that's what I do. Like, mm -hmm. that's my love language. Um, and I reached a point where I thought, formal just isn't me. And I love having these pieces that came from so-and-so and, -so and this, you know, great grandmother and this and that. But if I can't 
celebrate my people and make food for them because I'm so stressed out that, oh no, I left that gravy boat in the thing and I should have put it out and this is the only time of the year that I... It just became all about something that it wasn't about. And I thought, this is dumb. So my sister, Allison, is fabulous with the whole... She has a weakness for table linens, is the way she puts it. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you know in life who says, I have a weakness for table linens? She she does. does. I have heard her say that. She does. And when we go to her house for things, I enjoy it so much. I enjoy it more now that I don't try to duplicate it at my house. Because Mm. it wasn't really a meaningful tradition for me. And when I'm at her house, it is because it fits her and all those who came before her who gave her these different things. And, you know, so I can sit there and soak it in and appreciate it and honor that kind of tradition in someone else's house in a way that I actually found I couldn't. I was like worshiping the I've got to do this. This is this is must important sacrifice that must happen or we're not doing it right. And we all know there's not one One right way. (laughs) So so Allison's Christmas language is table linens. <laughs> yes, it is. And yours is people. And mine is people. Mine is looking confused, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and on that incredibly inspiring note, there we're we going go. to draw this episode to a close. We hope that this has been an encouragement to you to examine your own expectations as you come into the holidays, to talk to your family members, and in particular, your high schoolers. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And help them start out into adulthood already thinking about what's motivating me here, what am I really expecting, and what's going to be a disappointment, and what is something that really could just make me ducky and I could let it roll <laughs> off. Um, and what's going to matter, five years, ten years, or, yeah, you know, or eternally, eternally, for that matter. Yeah. 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 If you're looking for posts that uh, deal with some of the specific things that that go along with celebrating the holidays, you can go to sevensistershomeschool.com and you can find some tips for lots of different stuff. And you can even find some special Christmas curriculum pieces that will be uh, new in the bookstore. Mm -hmm. And um, we hope that, that coming into the holidays will be something that is not only joyful in the what we think of as Christmas joyful kind of way, but that it will also be joyful because it will be further stepping into um, your relationship with God and, and Him showing you who you are and who your family members are and all of you being joyful because He's good and He does good stuff when He makes people and people are so different from one another and it's exciting when we get to really look at that and look at those differences and respect those differences and celebrate together and love each other. And anybody want to sing another song? Because I'm just feeling the, the no. I'm getting <laughs> shot down I'm, on the song. I'm ready okay. to sing. I just can't think of which one right. comes next. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of all of it, oh, have a sense of humor about oh, yourself. Oh, big time. <laughs> big there's time. there's not one right way. That's our gift to you, we hope, at the <laughs> end go. of this podcast. So have a wonderful, wonderful week and uh, wonderful preparations for the holidays. And we look forward to being with you next time on the next episode of the Homeschool High School podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the ever-fabulous Ultimate, Ultimate Homeschool, Homeschool Radio, Radio Network. Network. Bye.